0: This is a GRDC podcast. It wasn't long ago that there was a lot of guesswork taking place in the paddock when it came to the cereal disease spot form of net blotch. In fact, around 17 years ago, a fresh faced plant pathologist at Agriculture Victoria at Horsham was given the job of seeing what he could find out about the disease. In that time, Mark McLean has learned a lot about the disease and managed to pass much of his knowledge on to growers. And that process is still happening with the release of a new GRDC fact sheet on spot form of net blotch, available in 2020. I chatted with Mark about his journey and what things were like 17 years ago.
1: When I first started, a lot of growers in the area were wondering about spot form of net blotch. They'd see it in most of their crops every year and had actually had a term, Franklin Freckle, dating back to the one of the original or earlier barley varieties called Franklin that had always got this freckle on it and they weren't sure whether it was spot form of net blotch or physiological spotting and so the knowledge base was really low when I started yeah. um, sort of 17 years ago and growers and agronomists didn't have a lot of information on whether it was causing yield loss, whether they should worry about it or not and there was a few theories going around that look bad in winter but essentially it grew out of it. Uh, So a a lot of growers didn't pay a lot of attention to it because they weren't thinking that it was causing too much yield
0: loss. Okay, so but they could recognise that they knew what it was, they just didn't think it was much of a big deal.
1: Yeah, that's right. It was was in almost every paddock every year and it was really quite an annoying disease for them because most growers don't like to see disease in their crop. They want it to be clean and green. It was an annoying disease for them.
0: Yeah. So someone said to you, have a look and see what we can do about this.
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing that we wanted to do was just see, well, is it causing yield loss at all? Is it worth worrying about? So that was our first question that we wanted to answer. And then the second one was, well, how do we manage it? What's the best way to go about it? They were the two questions that we really wanted to answer for growers and agronomists.
0: And what were the answers?
1: Well, it's taken a long time. So um, <laughs> yeah, we've been working on it now for 15 years because it wasn't an easy thing to answer. That definitely causes yield loss, no doubt about that. We found that fairly early on. But the losses that we were finding were sort of around that 200 to 300 kilograms per hectare was in the Wimmera region. So we're finding it wasn't a huge problem, but it was definitely causing loss and worth worrying about.
0: Just getting back to growers and their knowledge at the time, were they practicing any sort of particular management techniques to manage the disease, to to handle the disease?
1: Yeah, most of the varieties were susceptible at the time, so the main solution in crop was fungicides, but there wasn't a lot of information around on uh, when they should apply the fungicide, what product to use and what rate and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of uncertainty, so there was uh, many growers were, they were doing the best they they knew of and they were applying fungicides when it worked in their program and when they thought was going to be the most effective
0: so that was like 15 17 years ago fast forward <laughs> those 15 17 years to now what's the level of knowledge like now
1: oh uh, yeah it's totally changed so I've,
0: but it's yeah, taken that long
1: quite happy yeah that's right it, it really has taken a, a lot of time because we've every season we get different levels of disease and we get different responses from fungicides and so over that sort of 10 or 12 years we basically run similar trials of sowing susceptible variety and controlling the disease and comparing that to not controlling it to gauge the yield loss and then we're also running a, a set of i guess best management practice fungicide application trials and at the end of a, a series of about a, a decade of those trials mm-hmm. we've come up with some pretty good rules of thumb mm. for growers and yeah now we got a really good handle on how to manage spot form
0: of watch yeah. we'll get to that in just a moment because there's a new fact sheet that's coming out and I suppose it's going to bring all this knowledge of the past decade or so together is that right
1: yeah that's right yeah it's pretty amazing that you can do 15 years of research and it can come down to three or four pages of paper. <laughs> so yeah it's really nice that we're going to be able to condense it all down yeah. to a, a fairly easy to understand and yeah. follow form. Yeah.
0: And probably countless pages of scientific papers as well.
1: Yeah we've had to really narrow down our, our messages and condense the information quite a bit.
0: Yeah okay well let's get into the fact sheets because it is a pretty exciting time for you as you say it's a culmination of 15 or 17 years work. Just tell us about the disease as it stands now and what are some of those control methods and how have they changed over the years?
1: It's still a very common disease across most of Australia. Unfortunately, a, a lot of the varieties are still susceptible to the disease. So mm. it is quite common and it's favored by, I guess we say cool, wet conditions. So typical winter weather. Typical winter, yeah. So the more it rains during winter, the more issues we have. And it's also favored by earlier sowing. So a lot of sowings are getting pushed forward into April, early May. And that's just perfect for spot form of net blotch. The main thing is that it is a stubble-borne disease. So whenever we're sowing susceptible barley crops into infected stubble, it can be from the last two to three years, that's where we're setting ourselves up for, I guess, severe infection or levels of infection that could potentially cause loss. Mm. And that's when we need to manage it. In situations where there's a, a longer rotation between barley, so where we've got four to five years, there's a lot less inoculum in the system and the spot form of net blotch is actually less likely to cause yield loss and mm. gonna be less of a problem.
0: Four to five years with the inoculum hangs around, that, that's a long time to adjust your rotations, isn't it? Yeah, it, it doesn't
1: have to be that long, yeah. The disease is there as long as the infected stubble is there, so it's as long as the stubble takes to break down, which generally two years is enough for okay. most stubble to break down but in a drier Mallee environment, probably another year again, so it could be three years.
0: And is that the main management technique?
1: No, that's just one of them. So we we really looked at an integrated approach. So if growers have got a long rotation, that's a really good start and reduces the risk level significantly. And then the other option is attempting to choose a, a resistant variety if it's available. There is one variety, Fathom, that's quite resistant to spot form of net blotch and eliminates the risk of loss in most situations. And then there's variations in susceptibility rating. So choosing a moderately susceptible variety is gonna be a lot better than a very susceptible rated variety. And I guess the third option is, yeah, fungicides.
0: We only touched on loss briefly before. Let me bring you back to that now because this is where the use of fungicides comes into it. From what I've read, you are saying that fungicides have become viable if it looks like the crop's gonna do more than three tons, Is that right?
1: Yeah, we're finding that there's a definite relationship between loss and yield potential in the presence of the disease. So if we're going into a situation where there's infected stubble and we're pretty sure we're going to get at least 10% infection, yeah, then we look at the yield potential. we found that once we get over two and a half tonnes per hectare, there's pretty consistent losses due to spot form of net blotch. So that seems to be the magic number, that two and a half tonnes.
0: And what is the magic number triggering? Is that saying, well, look, it's economically viable to apply fungicide at that level, or at that level you're likely to get more disease?
1: Yeah, the two and a half tonnes is where we've consistently seen losses, and the losses increase as yield potential increases. Okay. So oh. there's a few situations where we've seen seven tonnes per hectare and the losses are quite big there, about 25 to 30% huge when we get below two and a half tons per hectare we do still see losses but it's sort of about 50% of the time so it's not as consistent
0: is there an economic threshold though
1: yeah so there's a difference between where we see loss and then where we see economic benefits yeah so the economic benefits are generally from about 2.7 tons onwards that's when fungicides become economically viable consistently yeah if growers are targeting crops that are yielding more than 2.7 tonnes, then they're pretty likely to get an economic benefit.
0: What fungicide strategies have proved to be the most effective?
1: We've found that there's two really effective fungicide strategies that work in majority of cases, and that's either a pre-season application, so either seed or fertiliser applied fungicide, followed by a foliar application at flag leaf emergence. Uh, That has been consistently quite effective and the other one is uh, foliar application at stem elongation followed by flag leaf emergence. And both of those work quite well in all
0: situations. What about uh, resistance to fungicides? Is that a problem? It's something
1: that we need to keep track of. We've been doing a little bit of research with the Centre for Cereal Disease Management and sending samples over there for testing. And we've found that there is some reduced sensitivity to the main fungicides, so the triazoles, like tipiconazole and propiconazole so unfortunately some of the main fungicides that we use are slightly less effective in some situations but luckily it's not widespread and it's not a big issue yet but it is something that we need to keep monitoring
0: how should farmers deal with that if they detect less effectiveness in there
1: yeah I think that there's two things that they can do is the first thing is that if they've got an issue that they're concerned about they can collect a sample and then send it in for Verification. It is a fairly long process, so they won't get an answer straight away. But that'll give us a bit more information on whether there is more resistance developing. But the most important thing that growers can do is they can rotate their fungicide chemistries and products, just making sure that they're using a different fungicide each time and not relying on one. That's how we can best prolong and make sure these fungicides are effective for the longer term.
0: Yeah. Key to what you said there was fungicides and products, so rotate the products as well.
1: Yeah, I guess using different chemistries is the main thing. Mm-hmm. So don't always rely on propiconazole. That's how these resistances develop. If they're using propiconazole this time, use tebuconazole or prothioconazole or something like that the next time around.
0: That was Agriculture Victoria plant pathologist Mark McLean. My name is Chris Brown.